Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. I'm going to go ahead and apologize ahead of time. I am battling some sort of allergy type of cold, so I'm a little stuffy. Yeah, I think everybody has it around here. So if I sound a little annoying or like friend Drescher, it's because I have a stuffy nose and I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I had that too. I'm just now getting over it, so I may sound even shittier than usual, just bear with us. Well, it's that time of year when the seasons are changing and I have horrible allergies anyway. So anytime the weather starts to change or the seasons start changing, I end up getting like a little bit of something. Right. You don't normally no. get sick, but yeah, you had it and then now I've got it. And we went to buy some allergy medicine the other day and it was all sold out. So apparently we are not the only ones who are experiencing this sniffly kind of cold thing. You know, what's funny about that when all the medicine's gone for whatever reason is it's like all the off-brands completely gone. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, the only thing that might be left is the stuff that costs nine, ten, eleven, twelve dollars for a box. Yeah, and right. then but then when all that's gone too, that's when you know it's pretty bad. Oh, so you couldn't find any? No, there was none. None of the above? Yes, none of <laughs> it was just empty slots. You you just knew that was where allergy stuff was and you go look and yep, just empty slots everywhere. Well for the first time in a long time I'm ready for colder weather. I'm a summer girl. I like 80 degree days. I like the sunshine. I like summer activities. But this year, I'm looking forward to fall. Now, I do love fall. I love the fall foliage, the color season. It's beautiful here in western North Carolina. Tours go home. The, yeah, right now is awesome. Okay, yeah. because we're the summer in, rush we're is in over. the month of September. The summer <coughs> tourist season is over. And then we are gearing up for the fall leaf season. But yet, there's about a month, a little lull in the tourism. And it's so nice. Yes, all the traffic's gone. You I was able to... to go out to Asheville last night, have dinner. There was no wait at the restaurant. I found parking. It wasn't like crowds and crowds of people out in the streets. It was normal. It was so nice. Yeah. I was like, this would be awesome year-round. Yeah, but then, uh, boom, it's the leaf season. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to drive behind people going, oh, it's a tree. Yeah, I'm going to pull Ten over. Ten miles an hour. Yeah, and take a photo of a leaf or an elk. Yeah, or stand in the middle of the road and take pictures of Honestly, stuff. I'm just ready for the fucking mosquitoes to die. That's why I'm looking forward to cold weather. Yeah, so they stop eating you alive. Yes. I don't know what it is, but mosquitoes want to eat me. I cannot walk from my vehicle to the house, which is about a five-foot walk, without getting bitten at least three to four times. Every day I am bitten by multiple mosquitoes. It's crazy. They eat your little ass up. They're like mutants. They love you. Some sort of genetically engineered mutant mosquito. It's they, like a biological warfare or something. They've been sent here specifically to bite you. I told Somebody you that. Somebody conjured me. I know. I told you that someone has genetically modified these mosquitoes to come bite you because they, they want to kill you. I've been conjured. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Come on cold weather. Well, with Mount Murders, we've spent a little time in the Tennessee area, eastern Tennessee. There are quite a few interesting cases out of that area. And I know we've been in Tennessee with the Channon Christian Christopher Newsom case. Yes. And then we put out the Unsolved West Virginia. But now we're back in eastern Tennessee, again with the Knoxville area. So are you ready to get, to get started with this case, Dylan? I am. Let's do it. Krista Pike is the subject we'll be covering today, and she actually, this case ties in kind of later on with the Kentucky Vampire Cult case. Oh, full circle. Yeah, so we'll touch on that a few minutes, how these cases are related, but let's go ahead and get started. So Krista Pike 
she lived a troubled life. She dropped out of high school. She had a very stormy relationship with her mother and came from a broken home. Not to be like, oh, this is a cliche, but oftentimes you get single mom, dad's not in the picture, there's no stability, little family stability, maybe finances are strained. You right. know, it kind of makes for a rough life. It does. Her mother was reportedly more interested in partying than raising a child. Her mom wanted to be the friend more so than the mother. Right. And we all probably know those parents. Well, I've done, you know, I've never went as far as she might have gone, but, you know, I've, you know, I've tried to be not the cool dad or anything, but, you know, more, you know, friends as well as a parent. And you really just got to pick one or the other. And you know what happens is kids want that structure, whether they'll ever admit it or not. They want structure and all that. And you just got to be a parent, be a good parent. Yeah, I think when you choose to be the friend over being the parent, it never turns out well. Well, you know, when you're dad, there's certain things your kids would never even expect you to do because they're like, oh, dad's not going to do that. You know, because right. your dad or your mom, mom's not going to go for that shit. So, you know, I think you really just need to be mom and dad and be, you know, be good to Yeah, them. I definitely grew up with the mom. Right. She was very much strict authoritarian and so maybe because i grew up in that kind of structure i'm more of that like strict authoritarian right and not that i don't want to pal around with my kids but they definitely know that i'm not going to put up with any bullshit but you can <laughs> you can you can pal around with them a little but you can you know they can know they know well you know the difference is the being the friend versus being the mother and for example krista's mom was partying she was drinking smoking pot with krista allowing krista to Kind of come and go as she pleased. Yeah. Hang out with older people, adults. Okay. See, that's putting her young daughter in a lot of dangerous situations, well, I would think. Add to the mix, Krista had borderline personality disorder. Now, if you're unfamiliar with borderline personality disorder, and I'm very much simplifying this here, I'm no psychiatrist. No, it's very complicated. It is, disorder. but it's a mental state of kind of all or nothing. Things are very black and white. <clears throat> There's kind of no in-between, extreme emotions, love, hate. You either absolutely love someone to death or five seconds later, you might absolutely hate that person. I mean, there's just kind of no in-between. With borderline personality disorder, simple emotions like jealousy can just be explosive. Right. You know, not to say that having this diagnosis or, you know, this mental um, issue with borderline personality disorder causes people to become criminals. No, you're not, you're not equating it, equating it to violence. No, it's just, but there are a lot of violent criminals who also have borderline personality disorder. Like for example, Jody Arias. Right. She definitely had borderline personality disorder. Well, there's an element of uh, detachment from reality to that disorder. Am I, am I right? Yes. This, they get so, they believe in their mind that it's this or that, you know, they can, right. they can actually rationalize, you know, start believing their own bullshit for no, you know, lack of a better words. And, um, yeah. And well, so that, the perceived slights that they might have, right. That are definitely just sort of a perceived slight, maybe something that's not even true or targeted at them, Some, or, but they yeah. can take that little slight and make it into something much more offensive and, you know, right. Something problematic. That, that would bug most people for about five minutes to half a day, even if it bugs you. Like, I can't believe that person said that to me. Or, But then you just, you know, and then you're over it. You move on with your life. But no, these people sometimes with this disorder, some of the people with this disorder, you know, really hone in 
on, like you said, very small things. And, and you'll understand as we get on with the case how some of Krista's problems and issues with her managing this borderline personality disorder can kind of come into play with the case. Yeah, we well, that's just something that's not going to make ever make anything easier, right? If you have that disorder in the best of circumstances with a loving family and lots of support, affluent, you know, um, plenty of money, you know, appropriate health care and education, you know, maybe you're seeing a counselor, therapist, yeah. you've got medication that's being managed. See, that's a good when that's exactly the difference between poor and rich. And, you know, to put it in those simple terms that they can go through similar things. But they have access and, you know, to all this other stuff that you just don't if you're a person of little means. Right. Or from a, a broken family like this. Well, Krista was living in Durham, North Carolina. You know, she and her mother had this very strained relationship. And it was kind of one of the love-hate things. Like, one minute they might be best friends and they're partying and living it up. The next minute they're having, like, a knockdown drag out. They hate each other. And Krista's kind of running around doing things she shouldn't be doing. By this time, she's already kind of... A little too far gone, out of control. Her mom can't really rein her in. Well, and that's what happens when you're the friendly parent. It reaches a point to where you know you have to, you know, oh, I've got to check them. They don't respect you anymore. Right. And so that, yeah. So they're kind of running into some of these problems when her mother encouraged her to leave Durham and join Job Corps, where she could become a nurse's assistant. Now, she joined Job Corps, and if you're not familiar with the Job Corps program, it is a government program aimed at helping low-income youth. They offer vocational training, career skills. You know, it's a good thing. And they still do Job Corps? Yes, they do. And they get these, you know, they get these, uh, and I say kids, but the, these young people out, they kind of offer them a different situation, move them out of the area where they are, possibly, just give them kind of a fresh start while they're giving them career skills training, you know, that kind of thing. So it's great. She was going to attend the, what is now closed, but a job course center in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is going to be quite a distance from Durham. I mean, that's a probably a good seven-hour yeah, distance. Yeah, seven, seven and a half hours. So a good opportunity for 19-year-old Krista to just start fresh. Get away from all that BS right. she's been, grew up around, and yeah, fresh slate. You know, maybe she's an adult at this point, not have mom breathing down her neck, getting a taste of freedom, but also kind of being on her own a little bit, but in more of a supervised capacity right. because these kids um, that attend Job Corps, they live in dormitories. They do have lots of rules, you know, that are put in place that they have to adhere to in order to be part of the program. Probably a good structured environment for Krista. And that's what she needs. While at Job Corps, Krista began dating a man her junior named Tadaryl Ship. Now, while she's falling madly in love with Tadaryl, her studies began taking a back seat. Now, she really thought Tadaryl was the love of her life. Aww. Again, with this kind of ex extreme emotions, when she's falling in love, she's really, really falling hard for this fella. Together, they developed an interest in the occult and in devil worship. Uh-oh. Now, she also created this imaginary rival while she was at Job Corps in a young woman named Colleen Slimmer. Wait, now, like she picked this girl and kind of cued on her, or is it totally imaginary person, like didn't exist? Well, I'm about to get into that. Oh, I'm sorry. I love how you just interrupt me with some random questions. I'm okay. sorry. Krista immediately took a dislike to this Colleen girl. There again, she's a real person. 
Okay. And Krista just decides this is going to be my rival, even though it was just an imaginary. There was no reason for her to dislike this girl. I just thought an imaginary rival would be more fun. <sighs> So because, she's just got, so it's like just this yeah, like, foe, yeah, like, no, like a you ghost come, foe running yeah. around the building, like trying no, to like ninja the, fight her or something. Like you come in the room and she's like in there like, ah, ah, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, Eileen or, you know, it's, oh, she's here to get me. I told you. Do you guys see what I put up with? Um, so this that's like, how my brain our, works. I know it is. I had to get that out. Now this I can move on. This is our day-to-day life, y'all, and it's hard. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, I did not mean to interrupt. Well, Krista had the idea that Colleen wanted to Daryl, even though Colleen admitted and that she had no interest in him. I mean, she adamantly denied it. She said, look, I don't like him. He's not my type. I'm not interested in him whatsoever. Okay, that's straightforward. Very straightforward. But Krista would not let it go. The truth and denials did not matter to Krista Pike. She became obsessed with Colleen. It was reported on several occasions. Colleen woke up in her dorm room with Krista standing over her. No, that's no, no, no. I mean, Colleen was reportedly, like, very afraid of Krista. And who wouldn't be? Can you imagine this person who just sets their sights on you? She's just a job core, too, you know, trying to change her circumstances. Exactly. Learn some skills. And now here's this crazy chick, like, with this blood feud. Exactly. And you don't even know her? Colleen even went as far as calling home and telling her mom that she felt like she needed to leave job core. Colleen's mother, not realizing the severity of the bullying, told Colleen just to stick it out. She was like, you know, you've signed a contract. You need to finish what you started. This is going to be a really good program, good opportunity for you. They were also, you know, coming from a low-income household. Her mother knew that she would not be able to pay for college, formal schooling, advanced education for Colleen. So she was like, you know, if you just tough it out... This is your best bet to get some skills. You're going to be able to get a good job. It's just a few months. You know, it's not like it's your whole life. It's a temporary, not a permanent situation. And we've all had parents probably try to give us that pep talk, you know. And most of the time the parents are right. For whatever reason, you're just getting cold feet or, and that is in her best interest to get these skills and, you know, change, you know, get away from your life. Right, and her mother, you know, is not really realizing. I mean, I'm sure when Krista's telling her this, she's thinking it's just kind of the typical mean girl. No. Maybe cussing her out or making some rude comment. You know what I mean? Her mom's probably not realizing that this is, no, this girl is in my room threatening me. If I wake up even tomorrow and, and there's just someone I don't, not besides my wife, standing over me, or even if you did it more than once or twice, that would weird me out. I just wake up and you're standing over me, lording over me, kind of looking sternly at me. Noted. Like with a hammer? I'm going to try this out. Be like, I just kindly woke up a holding it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you've given me something to work with. No, I'm telling you, I'm going to swing on your little ass because I'm not playing that Whatever, shit. Whatever, I'm fast. Okay, but yeah. So no, at that point, I'm done. Yeah, that's serious business. Along with friends to Daryl Ship and Shadola Peterson, another participant at Job Corps. She was right. an 18-year-old female. Pike made some plans to lure Slimmer out to this steam plant near the University of Tennessee campus. Now, Krista Pike tried to play it off like, hey, girl, why don't you come hang out with us? Well, Colleen was naturally pretty surprised when Krista was inviting her to hang out. I mean, Krista had 
practically, you know, called calling her arch enemy her nemesis. Right, made here. it known she hates her and guts. And now all of a sudden, reason. Krista's trying to make amends. She's offering her marijuana. She's like, hey, if you want to come hang out with us later, we're going to go smoke some weed. We're going to get high. We're going to go to a video store. We're going to rent a movie. We're all just going to hang out. It's going to be really fun. Let's put the past behind us. That sounds like a fun evening. Let's, you know, we're going to be friends from now on. Well, Colleen was a little nervous about this invitation, but it was a cold, rainy January evening. She didn't really have much else going on. So mm. she thought, okay, I'm going to take her up on this offer. Maybe I can make peace with her. Right. It's going to make my life a little bit better. Maybe we can, maybe we just got off on the wrong foot. Maybe we can be friends. Right. Krista would later say her intention was to get Colleen out to this isolated park area to fight her. Because that's just the reasonable way to settle a score, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what normal people do. Somebody wants your man, so you're going to beat them up. But, but they don't even really want your man. <laughs> well, I, just, I mean, it's so crazy. It's crazy. She thought the only way to eliminate her competition was to hurt Colleen. In Krista's mind, this makes wow. sense. Once they walk out to this very isolated area, Colleen starts asking Krista questions like, Hey, you know, are we really going to go smoke this joint? Are we going to get high? Are we really going to hang out? I mean, she's getting suspicious and she knows that something is just not quite right. We all have that gut instinct. Whether we choose to follow it or not, I mean, I think we all deep down kind of know when things don't seem quite as they should be. Well, yeah, when you start feeling literally like in your bones or in your gut or however you want to put it, that's your primal senses going on. So you know what I mean? it seems like this was definitely was... kicking in for Colleen. Right. Now, Colleen is realizing that Krista was likely m maybe tricking her, that probably Colleen um, was being lured out to the spot so that Krista could fight her because this just doesn't seem right. So she tries to get away. Krista begins attacking Colleen. Now, they scuffle, and all the while, Colleen is begging Krista to stop, saying, hey, let's talk about this. Let's work Jeez. this out. I don't want to fight you. I don't have any interest in continuing this. Like, just let me go. I'm not mad at you. I don't want your boyfriend. I mean, she's just really trying to rationalize with Krista. And Krista is calling her a lying bitch, telling Colleen... She's not going to come around to Daryl anymore. You can't have my man. I'm going to kick your ass. You're going to leave my man alone. Those yeah, kinds you of can't things. rationalize with someone when they're in that state. Well, at one point, Colleen almost gets away, but to Daryl and Shinola drag her back. Now, Krista, flying deeper into a rage with Colleen's escape attempt, she's just infuriated, reaches into her pocket and pulls out a box cutter. Oh, my God. She starts swiping the blade at Colleen, slashing her skin. Now, after she's repeatedly stabbed and cut Colleen, Tadaryl grabs the box cutter and carves a pentagram into Colleen's chest. Now, by this time, Krista has pulled out a meat cleaver. Oh, my God. That she's just carrying around, and she's cutting Colleen. Now, this torture probably goes on for about 45 minutes. That they are all just attacking this girl. Oh my God. Beating her. With a razor. Her, essentially a razor. Cutting her with a box cutter, a meat cleaver. And all the while, Krista is screaming, This bitch will not die. They're getting tired. I mean, it's like 
this is a lot of work. <laughs> it is. Uh, the human body is, yeah, it can take a punt. It can take a beating. Well, it's almost like this trio was kind of playing a game of cat and mouse because Colleen was being tortured, but she wasn't dead yet. So she'd try to kind of crawl away and then they would attack and start cutting her more. Oh, my God. But it's like they were so exhausted with attacking this girl that they were almost having to kind of take breaks yeah. to catch their breath. Yeah. Finally, Krista is just really agitated. She can't kill Colleen. I mean, she's trying. She's cutting her. She's beating her. So she's she's fucking furious. Like, I'm, I'm going to kill you. She's searching the area. By now, it's dark. But she finds a piece of broken asphalt. And she takes the asphalt and she strikes Colleen in the head with it. Then she shouts, I want to see her brains everywhere. Oh, my God. She ultimately strikes Colleen a number of five times with this piece of asphalt in the head, and it kills her. There was some gray, like, brain matter that started seeping out of Colleen's skull. There was a pool of blood forming under the body. And all in all total, Colleen was slashed over 300 times during this attack. Oh, my God. Could you? Wow. That is torture. Yeah. I mean, that is just one of the worst things I've ever heard. Well, a lot of killers will take souvenirs. We all know that. Krista took a piece of Colleen's skull with her. That's like, dude. It was a very <laughs> savage murder. Now, the crime scene is going to attract a lot of attention, especially of the students who were at this Job Corps campus. Right. I mean, it's this is not so far away. Well, Krista shows up at the crime scene asking the investigators as she's standing behind the yellow tape, who is it? What happened? Wow. Like, she has come back to even see the scene itself, which we know there are some killers who like to return to the scene. To see the big commotion they've caused. Yeah. Yeah. They they get off on it. Yeah, Dennis Rader started out pulling um, fire alarms and things and looking back on the... The fact that, you know... Just the aftermath. Yeah, as a very young. Yeah, all the people there because he made it happen. Krista has been bragging to some others at Job Corps about her crimes. Investigators judge from the pentagram carving that they are looking for some possible satanic connection. Oh, of course. To this murder. Yeah, of course. Krista wears a pentagram necklace and she's been flashing this piece of skull around to other students at Job Corps. Okay. So it doesn't take long for cops to bring the three in for questioning. It was within like three days that the three killers are arrested. I'm surprised it took that long. Well, Chris is really eager to talk to investigators. Wow, she has a lot of uh, a lot of the um, per- characteristics of real, you know, big boy killers. I think she was... Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. She opens up. She tells police everything. She's proud In of it. In 45 minutes, she totally comp- confesses. Sorry. She confesses. She details everything. Like, once they get her started, she won't shut up. She's just talking and talking and telling them everything she knows. And She got such a rush out of killing that girl. Investigators find her bloody clothes in the Job Corps dorm, along with the skull piece in a jacket. They also found a copy of the Satanic Bible among Krista's possessions. A psychiatrist would later profile Krista and say she fit the bill of a serial killer. 
who very fortunately got caught on the first time, like the right. first time she tried to kill. Because she wasn't any smarter about but it. But if she... But she would have killed again. Oh, definitely. I mean, right. the psychiatrist was like, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that she would have been a serial killer. She's probably fantasized about killing people. You know, she may have done all that. She may have hurt the little animals, all that stuff. During Pike's trial, the prosecution was aided by evidence and a confession. Pike was charged with murder and conspiracy to commit murder. On March 22, 1996, after only a few hours of deliberation, Pike was found guilty on both counts. On March 30th, she was sentenced to death by electrocution for the murder and 25 years in prison for the conspiracy charge. Now, to Daryl, Ship received a life sentence without the possibility of parole, and Shadola Peterson, who eventually turned informant, received probation for pleading guilty to being an accessory. Well, you know what? In this case, I, I'm, I'm with that because they used her direct testimony against the other two to put them, you know, away forever. And so, yeah, I think in, from what I heard, the way you laid it out, I think that's good. I mean, you got a solid witness. You got these two who really did it. You know what I mean? I think. Well, and Crystal Pike definitely needs to be behind bars. Right. And the other dude, I think he was just caught up in it. Like even the carving, like he's trying to be a badass Satanist or, you know, he's doing what he thinks he should to, you know, do this occult thing that they don't even right. probably understand the occult. You know, they think they, what they're, you know, the whole Satanist thing. So, yeah, but to carve something in someone, I don't care what's going on. That's fucking crazy. Right? Yeah, that's just cruel. Yeah. On Now, this is where the case ties in with another story that we covered, the Kentucky Vampire Cult. On August 24th, 2001, Krista Pike, with alleged assistance from the inmate Natasha Cornette, okay. who was one of the killers from the Kentucky Vampire Cult episode, attacked and attempted to strangle another inmate named Patricia Jones with a shoestring. Now, they almost succeeded in choking her to death. Krista was convicted of attempted first-degree murder on August 12, 2004. Now, although it is the position of the Tennessee Department of Corrections that Natasha Cornette aided in this crime, they didn't have enough evidence to charge her with helping out. So she didn't get any additional time, even though she's serving a life sentence. Well, that's crazy, though. But apparently the two of them ganged up, and they both attacked this Patricia Jones. And tried to kill her. And tried to kill her, yes. Yeah. So I remember us mentioning that when we did the Kentucky Vampire Cult, and um, you mentioned that uh, attack with someone else and all that, but that's really uh, odd. At that time, we thought she was probably the worst of the two. Right. The worst of the two. But when you hear Krista Pike's story, oh my God. Well, it's just she's interesting to me that I mean, you have crazy. these two young women, both have dabbled in the occult or have an interest in the occult, both want to portray themselves as, you know, self-proclaimed Satanists, devil worshippers. Right. And then they happen to find each other in, in prison. Jail. Right. Become friends and basically plan an attack on another inmate. That's crazy. It's just like serendipity. <laughs> the bad <laughs> kind of. It's very strange. I'd rather have John Cusack serendipity, not that kind. In March 2012, Pike had made some escape plans with a corrections officer named Justin Heflin 
and a New Jersey man named Donald Cohut. Cohut, I guess, had visited the Pike in prison, but the details of the relationship aren't exactly known. I don't know if they were like pen pals, like how this relationship came to be, but there was an attempted prison break, and somehow there was some sort of investigation with the Tennessee Department of Corrections, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, and the New Jersey State Police that was able to thwart plans for this prison break. Yeah, way to go, geniuses. With these three. Yeah. So, of course, you know, Krista is given, I believe, some more time additionally to her sentence for this alleged jailbreak. I bet it says on the application for prison guard that you should not help the prisoners escape. Probably. Check yes or no. (laughs) So that has been the story of Krista Pike. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got back to that one. And um, that was a very good story. I mean, in a horrible way. That is um, that poor, poor girl. There is a lot of information video on YouTube. So if you're interested in doing some further research for this case, I was able to find multiple interviews with Krista Pike on YouTube. Ooh, I'm going to check those out. You can go check them out, and you can just kind of see her energy. She's crazy. She is very high strung. Yeah. I feel like if I had to be in a room with her for five minutes, I would need to leave. She's she's very energetic. Right. Very high strung, but very open in discussing her crimes and talking about it. If you want to go check those out, it can provide you with a little bit more understanding of Krista, her personality, her behavior, and even her take on the crimes she's committed. Wow. I think I'll look at a couple of those because I would like to, you know, when you, anytime it's an interview with them, that's the only way to really get a feel for who, you know, how they are. Right. Like you're describing. Definitely. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mountain Murders. Yes. You can, of uh, course, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Instagram. And you can find us on Patreon if you look for Mountain Murders Podcast. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, they're at Patreon for just a couple bucks a month. You can get access to a lot more um, extra content and um, pictures and videos of, and such. And it helps support us directly here at Mountain Murders. Keep the lights on, if you will. For the podcast, <laughs> we can pay our own damn lots, people. But um, okay, <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, yeah. So, and we also have uh, if you don't like Patreon or know what it is, we have there the PayPal, right? Yeah, if you want to just pay a dollar, make a dollar donation. Yeah, a dollar just to say, hey, we're out. We see you. We heard you. Yeah, we, here's a buck. I mean, anything helps. Yeah, you can PayPal us at Mountain Murders Podcast at Gmail Send us a dollar, ten dollars, whatever you feel you want to do. Yes, and rate and review us, please, anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe and give us five stars if you want. Yes, only five stars. (laughs) 